sit and join the shade. Hey, brother, pour the wine. Drink the drink that I have made. Hey, brother. Good evening. Happy Sunday. Welcome to Drink in the Style, brought to you by Habitation Furnishing and Design on Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park. I'm your host, Gregory Rich, and I'm going to help you kill your Sunday early evening with some booze and conversation. Tonight, we have a very special guest star. You guys remember that? The guest stars from the 1970s? Ta-da! Very mm-hmm. special episode. Seems strong. <laughs> no, no, no. It's totally appropriate. I just envisioned you in like a star on some kind of terrible 1970s TV graphic. Almost like the intro to like say Love Boat when they'd be like, tonight, Paul Lind. Exactly. <laughs> right. I, I That's got exactly. I got you. All right. Well, think of me as your Paul Lind. Uh, you are my Paul Lind. <laughs> Mr. Brian Oak, radio personality, a legend here in the Twin Cities and an outstanding all around guy. Brian, thank you for being on Drinking the Style. More than my pleasure. You know, recently a mutual friend of ours introduced us and you hit it off, you and I hit it off very well. I just want to say at the beginning, I know a lot of the guests on this show are, you know, design adjacent or at least vaguely fashionable. I'm none of those things. All right. I, I don't mind sitting on comfortable furniture, but I know nothing about it. I couldn't organize a living room to save my life. So I'm not sure why you had me on this show, but I do enjoy having a, a cocktail now and then. And uh, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. The reason we have you on the show is because you do enjoy a cocktail now and then. It's and true. you've been a guy that I've enjoyed listening to for many, many years since moving to Minnesota uh, through your various uh, iterations. Uh, and I'm still going to ask you a damn question about interior design at some point. So well, be please, prepared. just well, also be prepared for one of the worst answers in the history of this show. <laughs> as long as your pinky's up with your cocktail, you're fine. Exactly. <laughs> Brian Oak, you're an Ottoman man, are you not? Uh, <laughs> I would consider myself Ottoman adjacent. <laughs> Of course, we're drinking. We're drinking heavily. We've already begun, and uh, that's gotten the show off to a great kick. But Dan Newkirk from Mercy Restaurant, Mill Valley Kitchen, Benedict's, is with us. Mr. Newkirk, how are you, my friend? So I know I'm more of a TV table kind of guy, but that's just me. (laughs) You know, Dan, I have to admit, um, you and I just met for the first time today, and when within two minutes of meeting someone, they come at you with triple distilled Irish whiskey of a fine, (laughs) fine distinction... I could tell that we were going to be friends right off the bat. I believe the kids would say that as, come at me, bro. Yeah. Well, and you did. And yeah. you know what? I Do it again. <laughs> Keep coming at me. We are drinking, in fact. So we started out, and uh, and we should jump into what we're going to be drinking. But the base of it, of course, is an old friend of ours from the show, Slain Irish Whiskey, correct? Correct. Tell me what we're making. Uh, so we're making uh, our Irish coffee. Irish coffee that we serve at, we serve it currently at Benedict's. We took it off the menu for the summertime at, uh, at Mercy. Um, but we're bringing it back for the fall menu. So you'll be able to get it at, at uh, three three of the four properties. Mill Valley Kitchen, um, we might bring it back as a resurgence, and I don't see why we wouldn't. Uh, but in the meantime, as its current stance, that's where we're at. Mm-hmm. Uh, a proprietary cream blend. Um, that we that I mix up before we got here, so it's got a lot of flavor. Uh, it might not float as nicely does as in the restaurant because it's warmed up a little bit, but I assure you, if you get it at the at the restaurant, it'll be beautiful. All right, well, it's going to be a quick and easy mixing of the cocktail, but we still need our mixing music, Mr. Johnson. And uh, and uh, Dan, you brought uh, you brought some coffee urns. You have mixing music. Of course I have mixing music. How has it been? How have I not been on this show before? <laughs> See, now, one of the things that I, I, as a music fan, I like so many different ty- type, types of music. The Space Age Bachelor Pad stuff and the Exotica type stuff, mm-hmm. very, very much in my wheelhouse. Now, I'm not against some hard rock. I'm not against some old school country. 
I, I like heavy-duty EDM. I, I, I like a lot of stuff, but there's something cool about putting on a Martin Denny record or an Esquivel record while someone's making you a drink. It feels very natural. Doesn't it? Feels it, it feels natural. civilized. It's very civilized. It does. I absolutely love it. And Askeville, I love Askeville, by the way. Are you a fan of his Space Age Bachelor Pad Christmas album? Uh, you know, I don't have that particular record. That being said, I do have several. There was sort of a lounge resurgence in the late 90s, mm-hmm. and I do have a couple of. So I can't remember, was it Lounge Zotica or Lounge, some sort of play on words? And they put out a series of compilation records that really compiled a lot of those earlier artists. Uh, but they did put out a couple of specific holiday ones. We can talk more about that later, or maybe you could have me back sometime closer to the, uh, you know, the end of the year holiday. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa! Already coming back already? That's no, no, no! Salad? No, I would. Just, salad. I'm just, you heard I'm, it. I'm, here's why. But geez, Brian, I don't know. If I, I collect like holiday it. music. I collect holiday music, and Halloween is probably number one for me. But yes. my collection of, for lack of a more experience, I'm just going to call it Christmas music, is. Stultifying, and a, a bunch of it is that kind of stuff. It's more of the ambient stuff where the lights are down. You're drinking Pennsylvania Dutch. You're looking at the Christmas tree lights. Oh man, it's a beautiful thing. Well, this it drink is, is going to taste a little bit like Christmas. I apologize. Uh, why would you apologize? It's really in this this hey, this day humbug, and age. Right? No way, man. That is fabulous. No, I will most certainly have you on because we so need some uh, some Christmas livening aside from the standards of the 12 or 14 albums that everybody plays. Well, and the, the, and those I've got nothing against the standards, but there is so much good stuff out there from the most contemporary to the most obscure. Oh man, I would I would love to come back and talk. I could do a whole thing with you on, on holiday music. Oh, this is going to be a regular thing. I am so excited. Before we forget, since Brian and I were talking, we didn't. you didn't even walk us through. Tell me, what is, very quickly, the ratio to begin with? So a, a traditional together? Irish coffee mug, uh, one ounce and a half of the Irish whiskey of choice, but Slane works out really well for us. Shout out to Slane. Hmm. Uh, and then we, I do a uh, one full ounce of Demerara Brickstead 55 uh, for the proper mouthfeel. And then uh, the cream brand floats on top. Uh, obviously, coffee till your desired amount of cream. And the nice thing, you don't have to stir it. Here's a fresh sip of cream in every every mouthful. Fantastic. And what did you grind on the top there? Some nutmeg? Absolutely. You can smell it. Man, you have got a sweet cream mustache cooking right there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no kissing uh, on the program. That's completely banned. Holy crap. All right, while wow. we were talking, I had to have a sip of that. And it's, it's nice, right? That is off the charts nice. It's a banger, especially like... How do you sell booze at a breakfast restaurant? Irish coffee, Bloody Mary, mimosa. It's synonymous now with what we do as a brand at Benedict's. It's great. That is Mr. It's, Oak? It's premier. Uh, so, I, you know, I did morning radio for years, then afternoons for 15 years, then mornings again for the last seven years. And I used to get used to drinking coffee all the time, morning, afternoon, whenever. So the fact that you're mixing my favorite type of liquor with coffee, but that cream on the top with just the right amount of nutmeg, this is superb my hat's off. That's fantastic. I didn't even wear a hat. And well done. If this you did, really good. it'd be off. Oh, way off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nailed it, brother. Nailed mm. it. This is delicious. So, again, bottom line, this is on the menu. This is what we get when we come into Benedict. Yeah, Benedict has it all the time. Uh, and our new menu comes out in the beginning of October at, at Mercy. But the boys can always make it. It's just a pain in the butt if we're not set up. So here's the deal. I don't order Irish coffee much at restaurants. Well, why would you? Most of them are garbage. It's horrible. It's 100%. basically just sugar cream and a tiny bit of crappy whiskey. The, the only other legit uh, Irish coffee I've come across in the Twin Cities is the, the Sonder Shaker, the place that we stopped at the other day. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That was a nice spot, by the yeah. way. I enjoyed that. No, this is... I'd like to throw in something that I've never experienced with Irish coffee before, and I've had my share for sure. The coolness of the cream, 
mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the warmth of the coffee comes soaring in underneath it as you're getting the flavor of all That's of it. Right. This is exceptional. Well I, done. I sometimes cry when like the lady's like, "Can I have a straw?" and she just whips it all together. Oh, I'm like, "No, last for me." Yeah, <laughs> the high pitched scream. I can hear uh, it all the way across yeah. to Gray's Bay. <laughs> Or, or as you would say, why would you want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is absolutely mm. delicious. Very, I hope you brought good. enough because we're going to be both mm. caffeinated and loaded by the end of this afternoon. Zing, zing. It's like, four, it's like our own version of Four loco. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> Careful about that. Yeah. All right. We are starting out strong, but we're going to take a quick break. Stick with us. We'll be back in a minute. This is Gregory Rich, founder of Habitation Furnishing and Design and host of Drink in the Style every Sunday at 5 p.m. You know, I'm often asked what kind of furniture Habitation offers. Now, I can go two ways with this. I can say something like, Habitation specializes in warm, modern, raw, industrial, and organic contemporary home furnishings. But what does that mean? It means that we have some really cool stuff, and that is the answer that usually goes over better. But cool doesn't mean crazy. And I'm proud to say that everything we offer at Habitation is functional and comfortable. The type of furniture that will allow you to express yourself but still works every day. So there it is. Habitation Furnishing and Design, 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park. It's the Twin Cities' best furniture and design showroom. Did you know that Habitation Furnishing and Design has the area's largest selection of Noir and CFC furniture? Are you familiar with them? I once had a customer describe Noir as a cross between restoration hardware and Beetlejuice. I love that. And CFC, bench-made furniture out of the heart of California, is definitionally cool. In any event, check out the lines at NoirFurnitureLA.com and then swing into the store and check them out in person. Habitation Furnishing and Design, one mile east of Highway 100 on Excelsior Boulevard. This is Gregory Rich, founder of Habitation Furnishing and Design and host of Drink in the Style every Sunday at 5 p.m. You know, on the radio program, I often say that life is the big stuff, but living is in the details. The furniture in your home may be details, but that's where you do the living. So why not speak to one of Habitation's design professionals about making your space the best it can be? Habitation, 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park. Welcome back to Drink in the Style. I'm your host, Gregory Rich. You're listening to the progressive voice of Minnesota. Right here on AM 950, we are drinking Irish coffee with Brian Oak, Dan Newkirk, and our producer, Brett Johnson. Brett, fabulous uh, intro into uh, on the music, and I want to point out, by the way, that I've turned the reins of the music over to a man who certainly should have the reins when music is concerned, Mr. Oak. You selected the uh, the bumpers 
on this, correct? I, I put in some ideas, uh, but funny story, you think like, oh, well, this guy knows everything about music. This guy's music central, right? You've been deaf since birth. It's weird. Uh, no, not, not quite that weird, but uh, about a month and a half ago, I was, uh, after I was recently removed from my most recent position uh, in this particular medium, I was invited by a dear friend to go see Willie Nelson and Alison Krauss at Willie. the Target. So, Man. I, so I've never seen Willie in my life before. I'm like, well, I'm not turning that down. I mean, you know, Willie's moving on in years and he actually had to cancel some dates on that tour because of health issues and I was feeling tired things have been a little dramatic those been a couple days for me and so I leaned over to my friend who had invited me and I said oh man the second I the second he plays Whiskey River I'm out of here because I never like to stay to the end of a show anyways I don't want to sit in the ramp for four hours mm -hmm. well he opened with that song, and unbeknownst <laughs> to me, that's the song he's opened every show with for the last 20 years, showing really? you just how little I know about Willie Nelson. That, that's amazing, though. It, it is amazing, but no, it, it, so it was hilarious, and then I ended up sticking around for the entire show anyways, but Whiskey River by Willie Nelson is, um, at least for me, kind of an anthem. Yeah. I'll tell you this much. Willie Nelson is a true American. Agreed. Willie Nelson is what a patriot is supposed to be. Somebody who is independent but still can, cares about society as a whole. I mean, he was the driving force behind Farm Aid back in the day. Yeah, he was. You know, we all know he's a massive fan of weed and has been an evangelist for it for decades. But not, not just the weed, like the CBD side of it, the hemp, like like all the, the cultural things. He's are, a free thinker. Yeah. He's a southerner. He's an artist. He, he's an American icon and and truly somebody that, that we should all respect. You know, so, gentlemen, wait, quick. Oh, yeah. Uh, raising our glass to Willie Nelson. Oh, and that's probably that. the most noble toast salad today. Salad cheers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, Charlie Daniels, despite his sort of mm. weird hard right turn late in life mm -hmm. or later in life, um, has a song called Long Haired Country Boy that actually speaks to, to me, it describes what Willie Nelson is. He's like, look, I just want to do my own thing. You leave me alone and then I'll let you do your own thing. Here's the weird thing about freedom. I don't really like to get political. But we're going here. Uh, well, no, 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 we're not going here. No, we're not, we're not going that far down the path. But my, my bit about this is this is like people rave about how they need their freedom and how they need their liberty. And what they're saying is, I want to be able to do what I want to do, but I don't have the guts to let you do what you want to do. Most people aren't cut out for liberty and freedom. And it sucks because this the potential of this young republic is so amazing, but people live in constant fear. And just have the guts to let other people do their thing. You get to do your own thing so long as it harms no other. That's freedom. That's liberty right there. Is it? Am I getting something wrong? Is that, am I oversimplifying it? Brother, you are spot on. 100%. And you also hit the key problem that we have in the 21st century, I think, which is the word fear. Living yeah. in fear, yeah. We are so frightened of everything. Everyone across the board, and you know, you can argue why the media, the the jaded nature of politics, all this other stuff creates, you know, cold war and and terrorism creates fear. But the bottom line is that our reactions, the way we tend to do things in the United States now, is reactive because we are afraid of losing whatever it is we still have, and it's terrible. And even though most of us don't live under any real threat of losing anything to anyone else. This is still our base reaction, so let me ask you this. Can I get weird for a second? Please do. <laughs> well, you're, you're not wearing underwear, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that right. And I'm more than happy to prove it to that camera right there. Who's ready for a pressed ham? The first ever pressed ham in the history of this show. That being said, um, is, it, is it simple fear? Is it reactionary? Is it our lizard brain or our caveman reaction? Or... Is somebody up top playing the ends against the middle? Is somebody up top, and I'm not talking about the presidency, I'm not necessarily talking about corporate America, I'm not necessarily talking about the industrial 
military entertainment complex. Somebody George at the Clinton. top is playing the ends against the middle because as long as we keep squabbling over the little things and living in fear of something you're not really in danger of losing anyway, well, then those people just kind of get to keep fixing the game. Now, and is that being paranoid? Is that me being – is that is – that... Sound, Sounds like the uh, the game Sim City. Well, there's that. Yes, from the top. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, you, Godzilla you... comes rampaging <laughs> through your town. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. Yeah. Now. now also, you're... once again, not wearing underwear. <laughs> yeah. So, it... <laughs> no, 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 you're absolutely unquestionably true. I, and I, I didn't correct. mean to go that way, but like bring no, up I... Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson, you said it. He is a proper American. He believes in charting his own course. He's not hurting anybody. In fact, he's making our lives better with the music he's made for, what, 60 years? Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want you to obey him, but he wants you to do you, but let him do you as so long as nobody's trampling on somebody and anybody else. And, and he has no problem with anybody else. Yeah. No. Yeah, beautiful Do thing. your thing and let me do my thing. Beautiful thing. Yeah. It's 100% true. I'd say, I think actually I have a slightly different spin on it, and I definitely unquestionably do think that we are being manipulated. Again, the, the, the ends against the middle, no question whatsoever. But I think the, the, the issue, what most Americans don't realize, I think, is that um, – and I can't believe we're getting political because normally we don't on the show, but – you opened the door. I so did. I'm, I'm sorry. And I don't, I don't right want to make through. this the rest of the show either. I just Willie Nelson to me is really you said it a true American. So please proceed. Agree. All I was going to say is this: America was was as we know it today, born out of the ashes of World War II, at a time when literally the rest of the industrialized world s- sat in ashes. They had literally Europe had destroyed itself. So suddenly we are responsible for eighty percent of all manufacturing in in the entire world. All the banking and finance was focused on New York at that point. I mean, we ran everything and we ran the table and we became accustomed to it and started to think that was the way the world is supposed to work. And then after 25, 30 years, suddenly when everything started to rise up again, everybody else wanted a piece of that pie as well, as they well deserved it. And we started to see that our share, our absolute hegemony, our absolute authority over everything was being eaten away, and that created an opportunity for those who would manipulate the masses to say, this is the end of everything you've ever thought of, rather than now let's all settle into a more realistic interpretation of what the world's supposed to be. Can I get an amen? Or, Are we or still a, talking about uh, uh, Davenport's and love seats? Uh, <laughs> and, and TV tables. And no, TV tables. I, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to pop your no, balloon. I appreciate but, it. But an absolute amen to everything yeah. you just said. I just, all of a sudden, I realized, like, oh, I did this. I torpedoed their show. <laughs> there was Not today, right Satan. There but, is again. But, but, but everything you said is spot on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, without question. So, yeah. yes. I th- although I heard this wasn't supposed to be praise radio, yes, amen. I will throw you an amen. Blessed am I? I don't know if I'm going to go that far. <laughs> With arms wide open. Man, no more last Creed time. references, last man. Last time, last time. Scott Stapp is a jerk. <laughs> yeah. This segment was supposed to be about music. <laughs> well, real quick, what's your favorite, second favorite Willie Nelson song? Second favorite Willie Nelson song has got to be, um, there it is, All of Me. All of me? Yep. Really? Only because, it, for me, that's a nostalgic one, because growing up, going to the Boundary Waters every year, we brought this tiny little boom box that had, like, one crappy little speaker and a tape player, and my dad brought, like, five cassettes every year, and All of Me was on that one, and there was just something about All of Me that, that stuck with me all these years. It's imprinted on you. It is. Oh. Uh, gotta get drunk. 
together with George Jones. If you've heard that one, it's... Oh, yes. George Jones. Yeah. Granny made me listen to that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Making her teeth sweat. All right. Oh, no. All right. We're taking another quick break. <laughs> Stick with us. Habitation Furnishing and Design is simply the best furniture design studio in the Twin Cities. What is a furniture design studio? It's a place where you'll find professional interior designers who are there to help you select the perfect furniture. A single sofa or an entire home. Our designers love making spaces exceptional. When you're shopping for furniture, it makes sense to talk to a professional. Habitation Furnishing and Design, 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park. Did you know that Habitation Furnishing and Design has the area's largest selection of Noir and CFC furniture? Are you familiar with them? I once had a customer describe Noir as a cross between restoration hardware and Beetlejuice. I love that. And CFC, bench-made furniture out of the heart of California, is definitionally cool. In any event, check out the lines at NoirFurnitureLA.com and then swing into the store and check them out in person. Habitation Furnishing and Design, one mile east of Highway 100 on Excelsior Boulevard. This is Gregory Rich, founder of Habitation Furnishing and Design and host of Drink in the Style every Sunday at 5 p.m. You know, I'm often asked what kind of furniture Habitation offers. Now, I can go two ways with this. I can say something like, Habitation specializes in warm, modern, raw, industrial, and organic contemporary home furnishings. But what does that mean? It means that we have some really cool stuff, and that is the answer that usually goes over better. But cool doesn't mean crazy. And I'm proud to say that everything we offer at Habitation is functional and comfortable. The type of furniture that will allow you to express yourself, but still works every day. So there it is. Habitation Furnishing and Design, 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park. It's the Twin Cities' best furniture and design showroom. <laughs> our guest, our guest today is is well known Welsh sympathizer Brian Oak. <laughs> Look, I'm not of Welsh extraction. Okay, I didn't I didn't realize that this was a Welsh free zone, but I did happen to be wearing a, t- a t-shirt by the band we just heard, a trio out of Wales called the Joy Formidable, who, by the way, are back in town at the Fine Line on December 14th. They're uh, in town. Yeah, the Welsh oh, are coming. It's a Welsh. I, I would say that three or four. Welsh people coming in hardly constitutes an invasion. I don't know if you could build a wall between us and Wales. Um, <laughs> We're busy building a different wall right now. Sorry. I understand. I understand. Um, there will be protests. I, uh, I was introduced <laughs> to them accidentally a few years back. Uh, and by few, I mean quite some years back at South by Southwest, the only time I went there. And I, literally the top of my head got blown off. I've never missed a show by them since there, despite their Welsh extraction. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> The Joy Formidable. Yes. I uh, will admit they had a good sound. The trio is, I'm going to be honest, you know, like you hear about power trios. Uh, you think of the Jimi Hendrix experience. You think about Cream. You think about Husker Du. Ritzy Bryan, who is the lead singer and the guitar player, 
is a force of nature. Her rhythm section, it sounds like there's eight people on stage. I'm not, and I'm not over-exaggerating. I don't buy shirts at a show unless I am in love, and I was in love, and I've never missed a single show of theirs since they've come to town. I absolutely adore this band. So the joy was formidable? Well, yes, every time. <laughs> it's a good band name. Yeah, well. yeah no, it is, it's catchy. And I'm they, going to assume that they were English and probably just somehow found their way mistakenly <laughs> the other side of the border. Took a wrong turn and There's, ended up in Wales. Maybe they're infiltrators. <laughs> They'd consider crew. Have you seen them with pies? Uh, are they accustomed? Do they have sheep on stage? Oh, my god. As goodness. much as I hate to repeat myself, not today's Satan kind of goes really well with this whole scenario. <laughs> we are, we are going to have to have the Wales conversation at some point. <laughs> down the road. I don't want to lose the rest of this show to your kind of drunken tirade about the Welsh with their pies and their sheep and no, their no, green... I, I can see you. You're on the verge. You know, really you, you are my loaded. Ears. Yeah. You, you cocked the gun. You are ready to take shots at the Welsh. And let's talk about something a little more benign. What about like um, solid state hi-fi? Or um, what about a mid-century <laughs> modern Ottoman? Yeah, it's something like that. Uh-huh. And Ottomans. You can't question the the, the, the the strength of the Ottoman really is in its its general usability on so many different levels. But is you, there storage access inside of the Ottoman? That's, that's the kicker. Many Ottoman there is. I hope yeah. so. Yeah, we have one like that, but we also have a couch in my house where it cuts into an L, and the Ottoman's actually built on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and, I mean, how a reversible shade. Like, is it a reversible it chaise not. lounge? It is, no, it is attached. Because what they do on some of these sectionals now, these mini sectionals in particular, uh-huh. is they will have a floating Ottoman with a reversible like chaise lounge cushion. Got it. So you can move it from the right. Or the left. I wish. It, it is, it is, it basically, it swings both ways. Oh. <laughs> Meow. Did you see what I had to do to get him off the Welsh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to pretend to give a crap to about furniture. Talk, talk furniture to me, Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty much does it. Thank you. Yeah. My blood pressure dropped. Ooh, Ottoman uh, yeah, chase serenity oh. now. Separate. Oh, turn it. <laughs> double, double. Yeah, it goes both ways, as he said, with Hey-o. a certain je ne sais quoi in his voice, a certain elan, a certain joie de vivre. <laughs> that, that was Lou Cypher coming out of him. just you missed it. The, the hand motion. It's, it's all about the hand motion. Those people didn't miss it. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk radio. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> Everything I know about uh, about being a disc jockey, I learned from Dr. Johnny Fever. Yeah. Uh, is that the same for you? No. Although it is, while not quite as accurate for musicians as, say, Spinal Tap is, <laughs> uh, going back to WKRP, which I think just celebrated its 40th anniversary just a few weeks ago, like I shared the intro and there was like a, a little thing that people were talking about for a while. Is that Cincinnati? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, baby, if you ever wondered, wondered whatever became of me, <clears throat> I'm living on the air in Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Cincinnati WKRP. I thought we didn't sing on this show. No, I do. He does Oh, okay. I got it. I got it. Uh, uh, in any event, um, I have worked with a version <laughs> of every single person on that show. Herb Tarlek, the sales guy. Oh, yes. Obviously a caricature, but I promise you I've met 200 Herb Tarleks, <laughs> both male and female. Uh, Les Nessman, the news Five-time guy. Five-time winner of the Buckeye Newshawker Award. Precisely. <laughs> How the hell does somebody know something like that? Um, it, well, oh, my God, Bobby. I, I, <laughs> You had to grow up in the 80s. Um, I've met Johnny Fevers. I've met Venus Flytraps. I've met Bailey's. I've met, uh, what was her name? Jennifer Jennifer Saunders. Carlson. uh, Jennifer something Mm. uh, at the front desk, um, who actually was always much smarter than anybody gave her credit for. Mm -hmm. So 
Johnny Fever, they're all caricatures. That being said, every one of them exists in profusion, at least for sure in the 70s, 80s, and 90s of radio. These days, like many forms of medium, and I don't want to alarm you guys, I hate to break it to you, but print media and terrestrial radio media, they're contracting. I hate to break it to you, but they're small no as they... Way. I know, shocker, What's right? What's this I hear? I was going to say... I, <laughs> I was going to say, stop the presses, but of course the presses have already mostly been stopped. So, <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah, damn, gosh, damn, damn, internet nice. wins again. Uh, that being said, um, yeah, so no, Johnny Fever wasn't exactly accurate, but a hilarious depiction of people that I never thought I'd actually have to spend real time with in my professional life. I mean, it's actually, is it is it that they're caricatures or they're archetypes? I would say both because mm-hmm. they were, you know, like... I've never met anybody who was a late-night DJ like Venus Flytrap who actually had incense going and a little gong in the background. But late-night guys have a very definite vibe. And the Johnny Fever guys who, he sort of presaged the shock jock. You know I mean? He did mm-hmm. say booger on the air, <laughs> if you'll remember. Um, did you beep that? Johnson, did you get it? Did you catch it? We can't say that on the air. Oh, so still not okay. (laughs) Forty years later, still not okay. Um, That being said, um, he it's okay. (laughs) Okay, it's okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. We're progressive radio. I understand. (laughs) We're booger adjacent radio is what I like to think of. uh, In any event, Um, so I would say both. I would say he was. They're all archetypes because the person who wrote that show, from what I've read did their time in radio. So they are archetypes, but they're also caricatures because, you know, I mean, Les Nesman, a little over the top. That What's the difference? Now i got to think about it because a caricature is a comedic version of it. But well, well, think about how the late night, like the late night comedian or late night person transpires. Oh, absolutely. They're probably dealing with booger sugar. So well, there's a you difference know, there with their personality. There was that whole bit where uh, the guy tried to get Johnny uh, Fever to play the record and put little packets of cocaine inside the record, which he got rid of, and the boss, who was played by Gordon Jump, I can't think of what the big boss's name was, they all called him Big Guy, he thought it was foot powder, and he put it in his I sock. do, yes, I remember that and one. And then yes, all yes, of yes. a sudden at the end, he's screaming and smashing his own foot his shoe, <laughs> saying, there's a monkey on my foot. <laughs> so, everything you've learned about radio, if you learned from Johnny Fever, you're both drawing from a deep well but also living in a little bit of a fantasy world. That's amazing. That was the best. I, I, can we stop the program now? Well, I think that was a little, little rabbit hole. That was rabbit hole. Beautiful. Yeah. I forgot all about that. No, WKRP. It was. It was. It was. Uh, it was this great show. If you haven't seen it, I don't know why the kids don't watch this. Well, the kids watch the Friends. I, I, just, and I just think about a Rock. white man's afro, and I kind of get turned off a little bit. White man's afro. Who? Wasn't one of the guys in the show on the the, the actual uh, program? Uh, I don't remember a white man's. Venus Flytrap had an afro. Okay, but like Mr. Carlson was bald. It wasn't necessarily an afro because it doesn't feel the same way. But it was just a big giant. Curly oh, I know. You're, th- you're thinking about uh, Travis, the station the, manager now, who had the 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 flare. Yeah, but it was a lot feathered. Yeah, it's way different than an afro. An afro is tight and curly. That feather job. I mean, the late '70s feathering was. It's a thing of beauty. Again, I grew up in Coon Rapids. That's all there was. <laughs> was wild F-N-A, feathering. F and A. Wild feathering going on in every direction. Back Breath, then. Breathtaking. It was it was truly breathtaking at the time. Majestic. <laughs> Shirts way too tight, unbuttoned a little too far. Trousers way too tight. Definitely, definitely uh, don't wear underwear with those because there's no room. No, there is absolutely not. Plus, is that where you is that where you picked it up? Living in Coon Rapids, your pants didn't allow room for underwear, so you were just like, screw it. 
Oh, we're peeling back layers. Uh, no comment. Like, boom, boom. Yeah, less layers, obviously. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no, it was so. Tell me, all right. So, all right. WKRP. There was some truth to yeah. it, necessarily. Oh, absolutely. Give me. So you've worked at. You know what? Let's, let's do this. We're going to take it. We're going to take it a quick step back. You've been in radio since what? The late twentieth century. Uh, that's true, and yeah, not even that late. I. Um, I did my first year in college radio back in the mid-80s, dropped out of school, and went and explored the world and made some poor and wonderful choices for the next few years. But I started professionally uh, at uh, Radio K uh, over at the University of Minnesota. They had been WMMR, a former classical station, for a long, long time. And I was doing the M- the WMMR thing once a week on Sunday mornings. I used to do giveaways. And it was, at my Sunday morning, once once a week was my shift. I'd be like, all right, Caller 7, we're going to hook you up with a copy of Paul's Boutique, the latest double album from Beastie Boys. And the phone wouldn't <laughs> ring. <laughs> the phone didn't ring once because they, they weren't even on the air. They were, they were on FM cable and directly to the dorms. And dorms on a Sunday morning, I don't know if you know, at 6 a.m., they're a little quiet. Um, but then I stuck around and I auditioned for the morning show. And I did the morning show at Radio K, the very first morning show they ever had, October 1st, 93. Uh, and then did that for nine months and then was called by a local guy who was sort of an impresario and DJ, Kevin Cole. And he invited me to be part of Rev 105, which now these days people have sort of deified. And everyone's like... Greatest station of all time. I'm like, well, you weren't listening at the time because guess what? We never had any numbers. And from there, moved over to then ABC Cap Cities bought it. When the Cargill sold it, I flipped over to Zone 105. So I was, was on the Cargill station? Uh, Rev 105 and KLBB were both Cargill stations. I didn't know that. Yes, exactly. And the um, for the man. Well, but then the, the, the telecom bill got <laughs> signed the by was. President Clinton. Um, and basically what that said was there used to be strict limitations about how many newspapers or media outlets any one entity could own in a certain town. Suddenly those were gone. And Clear Channel and ABC Cap Cities and all these big companies came in and scooped up everything for $3 to the $1 worth because they're like, long term, we're just going to keep scooping money. Mm -hmm. And so he sold it to Disney ABC. So I was still on the same frequencies, but it was then Zone 105, and they went through weird iterations. Then uh, they decided to go with something called Rhythmic Oldies. Um, Not a term I'm familiar with. familiar with with the Brothers Johnson. Uh, Imagine the adult contemporary version of R&B. But like a like, but like a but like a bad eighties version of it. <laughs> that was that was rhythmic oldies. And literally then, hurting my hippocampus. I seriously. And so then I was unemployed for a couple months and I got a job at Cities ninety seven where I worked for fifteen years. Um first eleven I did the afternoons, oak on the water, all that stuff, and then moved to mornings, worked with my good friend Carrie Noble. And then the last few years, up until very recently, worked over at Minnesota Public Radio. On the current. Yep, yep. Did the morning show the morning over there with my, my dear friend Jill Riley up until very recently, which was which was uh, a great show, and uh, uh, I loved uh, it. Yeah, yeah. But we're not going to talk about that because no, there are, no, other, are other aspects. Yeah, there are that are going to ensue with blessings across the board. We'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, let let let, let all things be amicable as best they can uh, be. I couldn't agree fortunate. more. Right? I could not agree more. There's enough fighting in this world. Why can't we just all play nicely? Oh, that does not. Do you feel that way about the Welsh? No. <laughs> no, but only because I believe that I'm the defender of sheep across all of 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 What does of that Western mean, England. the defender of sheep? <laughs> that that is his joy of formidable. <laughs> do you think do you think that they're do you think that, that they're somehow sheep averse? They they they've they've taken liberties, my friend. <laughs> they've taken deep liberties for generations. Now see this restoration. Bring it, bring it we want bring reparations. This is what Australians say about New Zealanders. <laughs> I don't know that. I'm not sure that you're the voice of today's sheep. 
Wow. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> voice of today. We're going to take a minute. Come back. For the love of God, please come back. <laughs> This is Gregory Rich, founder of Habitation Furnishing and Design and host of Drink in the Style every Sunday at 5 p.m. You know, I'm often asked what kind of furniture Habitation offers. Now, I can go two ways with this. I can say something like, Habitation specializes in warm, modern, raw, industrial, and organic contemporary home furnishings. But what does that mean? It means that we have some really cool stuff, and that is the answer that usually goes over better. But cool doesn't mean crazy. And I'm proud to say that everything we offer at Habitation is functional and comfortable. The type of furniture that will allow you to express yourself but still works every day. So there it is. Habitation Furnishing and Design, 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park. It's the Twin Cities' best furniture and design showroom. Did you know that Habitation Furnishing and Design has the area's largest selection of Noir and CFC furniture? Are you familiar with them? I once had a customer describe Noir as a cross between restoration hardware and Beetlejuice. I love that. And CFC, bench-made furniture out of the heart of California, is definitionally cool. In any event, check out the lines at NoirFurnitureLA.com and then swing into the store and check them out in person. Habitation Furnishing and Design, one mile east of Highway 100 on Excelsior Boulevard. This is Gregory Rich, founder of Habitation Furnishing and Design. I have a philosophy. Furniture should be beautiful, but if it's not comfortable, it's not much use to anyone. That's why at Habitation, we work hard to make sure that the furniture we sell is stylish and functional. Unique and useful, what more can you ask for? Habitation Furnishing and Design 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park. It's the Twin Cities' best furniture and design showroom. Welcome back to Drink in the Style. You can catch us online at drinkinthestyle.com, am950radio.com. Our podcast streams through iTunes and Podcatcher and Podbegon and Potterella or whatever pod you might uh, the enjoy The kids are all to. using Potterella today. They, <laughs> young people love Potterella. You did pull me off my phone right there. What the hell is Potterella? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm about to trademark that the minute I leave the studio. I, I want to try Potterella if you have any. So. <laughs> We've had a delightful show this uh, this evening. Delightful encompasses everything. Yeah, yeah, it really it really does. We've uh, our guest Brian Oak, radio personality and uh, and and and. General reprobate. I, I, yeah, I was. I thought I was hoping you, to get. A, I was hoping to get a bon vivant in there, but I'll, I'll take reprobate. <laughs> Give that to Matthew Gellerbeest Reed. That uh-huh. would confuse you. But you are a bon vivant, no question. Uh, not really. No, I'm old enough now that, um, especially doing mornings for as long as I had, I didn't. Unless it was a weekend, and even then, it would it would be under great duress, uh, and it would have to be one of the best bands I've ever seen. I don't like going out anymore. I love live music. And if you if it's the right band, you know, for me, if it's Queens of the Stone Age, if it's 
the joy formidable. If it's someone that matters to me. Or, or as you earlier stated, you want to stay to the end and wait four hours on the ramp so you never stay for the end of the show. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, just, I don't want to sit the, there. And so nah. I'll go. And But I, again, I've also I've, I've put the time in. It's not like I'm like being like, oh, I don't want to do that. I've seen thousands of shows. I've been to all the rock concerts. Not all, but more than my personal share. So I, I'm not really a bon vivant. I don't go around town. I'm not really a networker. Mm-hmm. I like to meet the right people. Like You and I, Gregory, we met not so long ago. We had a lovely happy hour together. Really it, it's why we were here together. I enjoy that more now at this point in my life than I do a show. Almost all bands, but there are rare exceptions. I would rather listen to a well-produced record than go see the live show only because drink prices, parking, paying to get in, all the hassles that go with it. Now, that being said, there are certain bands that transcend those things and you have to go see them live. Recently, I went to visit a friend in California. We saw Massive Attack on this huge reunion tour at the Palladium. I'd never been to the Palladium. Love Massive Attack. I expected it to be good, but I was going more for my friend than myself. Mm -hmm. And when you go in with low expectations to certain live shows Mm -hmm. and then they're amazing... That's the whole bit. That's the reason you go, right? You want to get that feeling. You want that thing to grab the back of your cerebellum and yank you around. But that just doesn't happen all that often anymore. I don't know the last time. It's, I don't understand. Maybe one of you guys can explain live shows to me. Because in truth, I, I can't lie. I don't enjoy concerts at all. I, I the, the, the sound quality is inferior to what I'll experience mm-hmm. in my own living room. The crowds make me uncomfortable. Yep. You've already mentioned the parking, the cost of alcohol, all these things, and I get no payback. I don't get whatever it is that everybody else gets this energy. Maybe it's from being, you know, among an enormous group that shares a certain commonality. Maybe it's just seeing the energy of the live performer. Whatever it is, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Well, j- just like taking care of your uh, your toiletry needs, uh, front to back is basically the way to separate those two things. <laughs> so. So you have the people that you have the people that wait up front, uh, just waiting for the show to start. Then you're stuck. You can't get another drink. You can't you can't go relieve yourself. Uh-huh. And then there's the back, the people that want to hang back, not get the full experience, but they can get a drink. They can go to the bathroom. Uh, hence, front to back. Let me ask you this. Uh, so to me, what you're talking about right there is, I told you, as I've gotten older. I'm drifting more towards your end of the spectrum right there, right? Like, it, it takes a tremendous amount to get me off the couch and to go see that show. That being said, there are bands that I will go see no matter when. Like, even when I was getting up at 4 a.m. every morning, there were bands that if they were there on what I call a school night, I would still go see. I knew I'd be going on an hour and a half of sleep, but mm-hmm. I had. So it, it kind of depends on your level of fanboy. So now I'm not calling into question your love of music or the bands that you love. But there are some people, and, and again... This gets back to the thing, you know, we haven't really talked all that much about music. I don't believe you get to pick what you love. I don't get you I don't believe you get to pick what moves you. I believe you can try to learn more about it. I believe you can move in those directions. But if you hear a song and out of nowhere it's everything to you. And everyone else is like, that is one of the stupidest bleeping things I've ever heard. You're both right. You, you don't get to pick what you love. So if I've got a band that I can still feel like a teenage fanboy about at the age of 51, then I'm like, I'm going to see them no matter what. I bought tickets months ago. I'm going... If that feeling doesn't happen for you, not a knock on you, but there are still bands that will make me make that so, choice. Brian, are you telling me that you can pick your boogers, but you can't pick what you love? I was going to tell you, you actually. You had to use you, booger. I, Again, yeah, I, you, you, they're pulling us off the air. It was more of a you can <laughs> pick your friends and you can pick your nose, <laughs> yeah. but you can't pick your friend's nose. I saw, I saw an opening. <laughs> I saw an opening. Come on. Good advice. All right, let me ask you. All right, and 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 I'm and and I am totally sensitive to that. I've like lately. I I was listening the other day to Leonard Cohen's "Everybody Knows," mm-hmm. which was covered recently by Sigrid 
Ingrid Sigrid. Do you know uh, this song? Uh, by Brandy Carlisle? No, did she do oh, that Oh, Ingrid too? Michaelson did it? No, no. Sigrid. Some, I'm not familiar with the Sigrid. I'll set you up with it. Please. It came off of like a, a superhero movie track, but I, ah, I was all right. catching it uh, from the, the what I think is the original. I haven't researched completely. Okay. Cohen. And, you know, it's got this, this this grace. Everybody knows that the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. It's, it's oh, this. Oh, I don't even know. I'm not, I don't go deep on Leonard Cohen. He's never won any. Again, we don't get to pick what we love. Never mm. appealed to me, so I don't really know that song. It's, all right, and we're going to share it after, or maybe if, uh, no, we can't close with it. Next time you're on the show, I'm going to play this one for Fabulous. you. Fabulous. But that actually sets cues this up beautifully for the one meaningful question I want to ask during this entire <laughs> hour-long ordeal. That is you're, never... <laughs> you're telling me that revealing that I don't wear underwear was not a meaning, meaningful moment on this show. Traumatic moment, yes. Yeah, all right, all right, I will give you right. traumatic. Please, I leave you to your question. How do you evaluate music when you are listening to something? And I'm not asking how you learn about it. That's another question that we can cover too. But when you want to actually sink into a song, sink into a new band or something, how do you immerse yourself? Here's the deal. And I already started to touch on it a little bit when we talked about going out to see live stuff. Um, I don't have a degree in music theory. I do not know the difference between hearing something in the key of G or the key of A. I do not pretend to understand the difference between a very good drummer and a genuinely brilliant drummer. Because just because you play more notes or you hit more drums doesn't necessarily make you better. Technical acumen to me does not equal better. And so I don't know that the word better exists. I feel, I'm going to I mean, I'm gonna tell you right now, I will listen and I will give it a chance. And there are a lot of bands I wrote off and then went back, or artists, and went back later because people were so enamored of them. I just, I'm like, I'm missing something. I've got to go back. And mm -hmm. so I believe that a music fan is like any other art fan, uh, whether we're talking about sculpture, whether we're talking about the quality bleeping drinks that you made this afternoon, Dan, no matter, no matter what... I, I, have, I have a segue to this, but keep going. But, but no matter what we are talking about evaluating, a television show, a song, a great band, I genuinely believe, and I've become only stronger in this belief as I've gotten older, we don't get to pick what we love, right? So here's the deal. I, I'm going to say something super controversial to end the show because I love doing this. I don't give a bleep about The Clash. I couldn't care less <laughs> about The Clash. Now listen, now listen, let me finish What about the Ramones, man? Same, same? Oh, my God. And now, again, I'm not mad. I mean, here's the deal. I'm not mad at them. I'm, They're but, ethnically oh, Welsh. Okay, here we go. Here's the deal. I'll wrap this up quick, I promise. Um, you got time. I, I know, but I mean, like, so, but I also feel the same way about, but about Dylan, about Springsteen, but let me finish this thought. Um... It doesn't mean they're not good, but it, what it means is it's never triggered that animal lizard part of my brain. If I don't get that flood of whatever brain chemical happens when you listen to the song that does move you, the song you can't listen to without crying, and we all have those, or the song that you need to put on when you're driving 80 miles an hour down the freeway, if you don't get that feeling from a, even a legend, like I just, The Clash has never, there's never ever done it for me. That being said, for me to argue that they didn't change music, I'd be an idiot. Mm -hmm. So the problem is people can't divide the emotion from sort of the academic. And, but that's the whole bit. Music is what moves us. So I drift towards what moves me. And if I hear somebody rave about something and something they truly love, I, I might give it extra attention. But if I don't feel it, I don't feel it. And it's not my fault. It's not the band's fault. It doesn't make the person who loves them so much wrong. I love Queens of the Stone Age. If somebody else listens, they're like, what is this mathy, noisy stupidity? They're not wrong either. It's just you don't get to pick what you love. So that's why you keep exploring everything. Why do I love Whiskey River by Willie Nelson? 
Well, first of all, because he's a true American hero, and that song matters, and <laughs> mm-hmm. it's about whiskey. Um, but that, you know, you know what I'm saying. So, so that's my, a long answer to your question. My segue into that, right? Yeah. So the next time you're on the show, this is what I recommend. Uh, first off, I'm getting a second tequila barrel uh, coming up in a few months. Uh, it's, it's a very nice tequila barrel. Yeah. This is the thing I blew off. No, it's a different one. Okay. More, more barrels. <laughs> but you're, I'd like to invite you on for a tequila show. Ooh. And I actually have all the songs to curate the the, 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 the the episode. I'd like to come by, but I'm going to tell you right now, whereas I can hold my whiskey all day with anybody out there. I'm not yeah. afraid of a I'm not afraid of a whiskey throwdown with anyone. By the second segment of a tequila show, oh, I'm trust me, I'm in, baby. <laughs> I know, it sounds great. We can go ahead. I'm trying to poke the proverbial bear. We got a third. We got a wait. The proverbial bear or the real bear? I feel like by the end of the second segment of the tequila show, that I might. Not have much to contribute. Is this when we get the alternate ego? (laughs) Russell! Russ! Russell! Damn it. I've shared too much. Before we go, though, I want to go back because that was a meaningful and and spiritually enlightening discussion of what music is to you. Because again, what you're basically saying is music is to you like pornography. You know it when you see it, what you appreciate. Have you also also fine paintings or sculpture? <laughs> I'm going with said, pornography. That being said, <laughs> you're, not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Have you revised your opinion on anyone? Have you gone back yes. and taken luck? Yes. Who? Uh, I had a dear friend, uh, and he's still probably. I've known him since I was ten years old. His name is Tony. He loved the Velvet Underground so much, and when he started to turn me on to the Velvet Underground, I was like, "Did we?" We actually bought studio time. Did anyone think they might want to tune their instruments or practice these songs before we went in to record them? Apparently not, and that was fine, but it was part of their aesthetic. It wasn't really punk rock. They were pre-punk, but I just I listened to them like, I don't like any of this. Mm-hmm. But my friend, it was it was his soul. It was the center of who he was, and this is one of my dearest and oldest friends, and um, and I loved it. And, and so I've gone back. I've come around on the Velvet Underground. I'm starting to get there on The Clash, but I'm not there yet. And by the way, The Who... I wish they never existed. Whoa! <laughs> Bang! That Say was you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a highly controversial episode of Drink in the Style with Brian Oak. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Absolutely my pleasure.